0: Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in his word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. This morning, I want to share with you a message that I know my title sounds sort of churchy. I know it sounds kind of uh, maybe not as practical as what uh, you're accustomed to. But it's something I think we need to get in our hearts this morning. My sermon title is simply this, the Lord is my victory. I want to ask you to say that phrase with me out loud this morning. On your mark, said, go, the Lord is my victory. Let's say it again. The Lord is my victory. People are not my victory. Circumstances are not my victory. The economy is not what determines my victory. My friends, as great as they are, don't determine my victory. What people say over me or about me does not determine my victory. The Lord is my victory. I've discovered that any time in life people experience victory, they become experts on their victory and they want to sell books to you and I about how we too can share in their victory. Have you ever noticed that? And sometimes people publish their books too soon because their victory sort of diminishes after they write their book. But today, God outlines for us a formula for you and I to be able to taste the victory of the Lord when the battles of life comes. And that's what I want to speak to you about this morning. I'm taking a a break from our series, and we're diving into Exodus chapter 17. You can read with me there from the Word of God Says the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Raphidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. And as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands were made steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner, which can also be translated, the Lord is my victory. He said, for his hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Father, I love you today, and I thank you for the Word of God that never returns void. I pray that today your Word will work in me, your Word will work in each, each of us today, that as we gather at the end of this service or prayer, that you will speak to our hearts and that you will help us apply the Word of God rightly. And we'll give you thanks for it. In Jesus' name, before I get into the Word, uh, I want to just give you a a um, preparation. We're going to close our service out today praying one for another. And so if you are in a battle this morning, we would love to be able to have the ability to pray for you. And you begin to let this message build your faith as we do that. If you were to fast forward, I was about to say fast forward, but I guess if you were to rewind or go ahead, read the seven verses leading up to the verses I just read to you, you would discover the children of Israel are in the are in the they're in the desert. They're in the wilderness. They're between the, the pain of Egypt and the promised land that God has for them. They're kind of in a no man's land and they're in the wilderness without water. They're complaining to Moses. They think they're about to just to, to, to die. They think their life is over. They think it would have been better off if we'd stayed in Egypt because there's nothing to drink. And the Lord speaks to Moses and he gives them this specific uh, bit of instructions. He tells them to go and, uh, to a rock and to strike a rock with his staff. And if he will do so, enough water will come out of the rock to quench the thirst of all the people of Israel. And so Moses does this, water comes out of a rock, they go go from being desperate to having all they want to drink, all their problems are over for a moment. And then the Amalekites come. I want to ask you a question, do you ever feel like you go from one test to another You ever feel like you get over one problem just to run smack dab into the middle of another one? You ever feel like trouble is just like pursuing you? I heard one person say years ago that when it comes to life, all of us are either, we're either coming out of a battle, we're in a battle, or we're about to go into a battle. But it's the cycle over and over and over again. I know that's not really good news. It doesn't make you want to shout, But I want you to tell you, most of us have to admit that's kind of what life is like. We're either in a battle, coming out of a battle, or we're on our way into a battle. But it's important that no matter what stage you're in this morning, you realize that the Lord is our victory. It doesn't matter how big or scary the battle is we're we're in today. The Lord is always the source of our victory. So how do I respond when I'm facing a battle especially a battle that is bigger than me. And I feel like that's about the only kind of battles the Lord gives me nowadays, our life gives me, is that they're bigger than I am. A few things I want you to know today about how to fight the battle you're in. The first thing to remember is this, that battles come to everyone. There's a theology out there that preaches really good. The only problem is it's not true. There's a theology out there that says if you will love God enough and serve Him well enough and be good enough that you won't have any problems anymore. The only problem with that theology isn't true. That's the only problem with it. Because Jesus said that in this life you're going to have some troubles. You're going to have some issues that you can't handle. You're going to have things in your life that are bigger than you. But He does tell us to take heart that he's overcome them, that he is greater, that the one who is in us is greater than the one that's against us. So there's no such thing as a trouble-free life, but the Lord does give us instructions on how to handle our lives when we find ourselves in trouble. I just want to say a few things about that this morning, that maybe it will help you. Is that all of us need to understand that trouble is not a sign that we've messed up. Trouble is not a It's not an indicator of personal sin. Can our problems, can our sin cause problems? Absolutely. Can we we sin against God and therefore invite hardship to our life? Definitely. I heard one person say years ago, he said, that he felt like he gave the devil a whole year off because he just messed himself up enough to cause enough problems of himself understand what I'm talking about? We can make, we can sin, we can, I, I, you know, the, the law of sowing and reaping is, it, it, it is, is, it is still in effect today. However, John says, in First John, that if we confess our sins, that he is faithful to forgive us of our sins and cleanse everything away from us that is wrong in us. Isaiah chapter 44. I love this scripture. The Lord says, I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return for me to me because I have redeemed you. What does that mean? That means that even when I'm in trouble, even if the trouble is of my own making, let's just pretend for a moment it is of my own making. All I have to do in that moment of my sin of my own making, like the the prodigal son had in the pig pen, that Moment of awareness, all I have to do is come to my senses, call on the Father, confess my sins, and He is faithful every time to forgive me my sins and cleanse me of everything that's not right. Well, Pastor, what does that mean to me? That means I am going to say no to every lying scheme of the enemy that tries to play with my mind that says you're stuck in what you're stuck in because of something you did once upon once a once time. When the Lord said that I've come that those who are free in me can be. Free indeed. Yeah. Romans chapter 8 says, There is now. And let me just go to the deep Greek for you. When the word says now, in the word, that means this now. Understand that? The word says, There is now, right now. No, not a bit, not a trace, not any evidence, no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So attacks are not evidence that I've done something wrong. Sometimes you can be doing something right and attacks still come. I like what uh, Brother Wilkerson once said. He said, don't be afraid if you find yourself in a valley that's full of giants. He said, be afraid if you fall your, find yourself in a valley without giants because you might be in the wrong valley because God calls us to places to displace the enemy. So attacks are not evident of personal sin. They're not evidence of being in the wrong place. You can't can't run from the attacks of the enemy. Have you discovered that? If you run from this place to that place, from that place to this place because the enemy is attacking you, all you've done is you've let the enemy know what works well on you and he'll just keep doing it no matter where you find yourself. So attacks are not evidence of being in the wrong place, of doing the wrong thing. Attacks are simply evidence that there is an opponent against you. 1 Peter chapter 5 says to be controlled and alert. Your enemy. You catch that phrase? doesn't say God's enemy. What does it say? Your enemy. I, as as great as a guy I am, if you don't think I'm great, just ask me after service, I'll tell you. Just teasing. All of us, we have an enemy. And to make matters worse, we live in a fallen world, right? We live, we live in a world that's, you know, according to Genesis chapter three, we have to deal with thorn bushes. Women have pain or increased pain and in childbirth. We have to work under the heat of the summer. We have to deal with sickness and death. All of that is results of the fallen state of the world that we live in. But to add insult to injury, we have an enemy that tries to exploit our minds and our hearts and our lives in the middle of this fallen world that we live in. The Amalekites came against Israel not because they were bored, but because Israel represented what they couldn't have, and that was the favor of God. The Amalekites were the descendants of Esau. Remember Jacob's brother? Jacob, the one who had, you know, sort of swindled Esau out of part of the birthright, given it to the other, promised by God. He swindled what he couldn't really, didn't really have to swindle it, by the way. But they were descendants, they were, they were after what Israel had. And can I tell you today the enemy is out to get what God has given you. But I want to remind you, first John chapter four says, You dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one that's against you. Second, this morning. If I could just preach for five minutes today, here's the five minutes I would spend. It'd be this next five minutes is this. Realize that every battle you have is two dimensional. Amalekites came to face, or to fight, to attack Moses and the children of Israel, and Moses looked around, and through God's wisdom, he realized, you know what, we need two strategies for this. Moses realized this is a physical battle. These are real live swords, real live chariots, real live slings, all this, these are real problems, But he didn't say, we're just going to fight this in the physical. He said, Joshua, I want you to get some people and go fight this in the field. And I'm going to get some people, and I'm going to fight this on the mountaintop. And together, you're going to fight in the field, and I'm going to fight in the mountain. And together, we're going to fight together, and God's going to bring glory. Friends, can I tell you, every issue in your life, it's not a matter, is it physical or spiritual? It's both. It's both. Every attack in your life has a physical element and every spiritual, and it has a spiritual element. Well, pastor, the, you know, I don't, I don't really, you know, it's just, it's just, no, no, it, it's all the, it, it all affects one another. Just because a problem starts in the physical doesn't mean it's going to stay in the physical. Just because a problem starts in the emotions or the mind does not mean it's going to stay there. Physical issues can cause emotional issues. Emotional and mental health issues can cause physical issues. You ever heard of someone having heart issues and they say it's because of stress? Right? That's almost common everyday occurrence. When there is nothing physically helping or hurting them physically they're in an air conditioned office all day physically they're not you know they're not working in the heat physically they're not expanding or I'm sorry you know use a lot of Energy every day, but yet they are crushed under stress and their physical body is suffering because of their mental state. Moses does not decide, do we need to fight this in the spirit or do I need to fight this in the physical? Moses said, Listen, here's how you fight your battles you do both. You fight it in the physical, but you also fight it in the spiritual. Friends, it's time that we stop trying to decide how, which way we're going to fight our battles, and we decide we're going to fight it both ways because both. Both the ways is what it takes to gain victory. You know, even in the Great Commission, something we've all been called to do, you can see the elements of the physical and the spiritual working together. Jesus said, here's the natural part. Go, preach, and disciple. Baptize. Those are physical things you do. Physically grab people, you put them on the water, you pull them back up you take the bible you take it out you lead people through you're discipling people you use your mouth and your tongue and you tell people about Jesus that's the physical you do that in the physical but but then Jesus said here's the supernatural and I will be with you and his his being with you doesn't just mean he's standing by to watch that means he is walking you through these things you are doing in the natural. He's giving you favor you can't get on your own. He's enabling you to do things you can't do on your own. He's opening doors for you that you can't open on your own. As you just do what you can do, the supernatural power of Jesus comes along and helps you do what you can't do. It's, it's a spiritual battle, but it, it includes both the, biz, the the physical and the spiritual. It's, I want to talk about those separately first this morning. We have to understand that God uses our submitted that's a big word right there, submitted natural gifting to bring supernatural outcomes. Yeah. Moses told Joshua, choose you some men and go to fight the Amalekites. Now let me ask you, who do you think that Joshua chose? Did he choose the, uh, the, the 12-year-old, 90-pound boy, that couldn't pick up a sword? Did he, did, he pick, did he pick the men who were, you know, 125 years old, that their, their best days were behind them? No, I think, I think Joshua, when Moses said, choose you some, pick you out some, I think he went to the gym or went down to the local firing range or whatever they had in those days. And he got some of the biggest, baddest, hairiest, stinkiest warriors he could find, and said, We're gonna we're about to go do some stuff. We're about to go fight. He found fighters, right? He found men who had natural ability to fight the fight. Can I tell you obedience in the natural brings supernatural results? When 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 Solomon wanted to build a temple, the Lord said, There are people I've placed among you that have physical abilities given by God to build and to craft. Find those people. And as they built the temple in the natural, you know what happens when they got done? A supernatural cloud of his presence fell on that place. Why? Because what they began in the natural, Jesus cra- or God crowned in the supernatural. Can I tell you this morning, what God has called us to do in the natural is not in opposition to the supernatural. Instead, what God wants to do in the supernatural, it always starts in the natural. Some people say, oh, i am just got to sit on a chair until God does something. Nobody's getting in your face. I said I'm going to go into it again today, but here it goes. If that's you, how's that working for you? How's that working for you? Wait and see. No, no, no. God, God uses us as we begin. You know, Jesus did it that way with his disciples. He said, throw your nets On the other side of the boat. Natural. What came up out of the water? Supernatural. Jesus told Peter, listen, so we don't offend somebody, why don't you go fishing? Natural. But by the way, you're going to catch a fish, and there's going to have a coin in your mouth, in its mouth. And you're going to pay the tax with the coin out of the fish's mouth. Natural turned into supernatural. Obedience in the natural always brings supernatural results. Supernatural provision is initiated by our natural obedience that delivers supernatural results. Here's the second thing that Moses tells Joshua that he's telling us this day, is that we must never fight our battles alone. Did you notice he did not send Joshua to the battlefield alone? Nor did he go to the mountain to pray alone. Both fronts require people to fight with you. I think this is one of the reasons why a local church like ours is so important. Because when a battle comes your way, it's not a a good time to decide who can I count on and who can I go to. Battle times are times when a church family can rally around you in prayer. There's exponential power Jesus said, I tell you, if any of you agree on earth about anything, that that it will be done for you by my Father. There's exponential power of people that will serve together and work together and pray together. I'm praying, God, let us always be a church that will pray for one another and fight for one another. Let's always be a church that will lock our arms around each other and and support one another and see each other through the battles, which means I've got to be willing to pray with those who need prayer and to battle with those who are battling. Here's the next thing. See, fighting in the natural utilizes our unique gifting. Some of you in this room, you are so naturally gifted. Sometimes I... Wonder, God, why couldn't you let me have some of that? All right, some of you are just like excellent at at hospitality. You can just be with people for thirty seconds and they feel like they've known you for thirty years. A lot of you, you made this your church home because you walked in the door and you said, "Man, I felt like I felt like I, this is family." You know why you felt that way? It's because some people who were gifted in that met you at the door and 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 made you feel that way. There's others in this room that you are just. You are naturally organized. That's the natural ability that God has given you. Some of you are naturally gifted at serving. Some of you are just, you can build things in 20 minutes. That would take me three, three months to build. But here's what I'm saying. That the, how God has gifted you naturally is not in opposition to how God wants to use you supernaturally, but it's actually usually the doorway to how God wants to flow in you and through you supernaturally to see the battle of the Lord turn in your favor. That's why Billy Graham said it like this. You should work like it all depends upon you and then pray like it all depends upon God because both are true. Point four, every battle must also be fought in the spirit. Sometimes I feel like we spend too much time trying to figure out is this a physical battle or a spiritual battle? Is this a financial battle or a spiritual battle? Is this an emotional battle or a spiritual battle? Here's the deal, it's truth. It, I'm going to say it's both. Because we are people of the spirit who are stuck in a body of the flesh. It's both. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We live in the natural, but we're not but we are connected to the supernatural. When Moses and God's people were attacked by the Amalekites, this was a physical army coming against them. These were real swords, real threats. This was a real God, if you don't show up, we're going to die, or if we're not stronger than them, this life that we have is over. This was a real deal. But Moses didn't say, hey, let's go muster our army only. He said, Joshua, you get some guys and go fight them over there, and I'm going to get some guys, we're going to go pray over there because it wasn't either or, it's both and, and so must our battles be in this life. Both are necessary. I think in each of our lives there are seasons where you will be in the middle of the battle slinging the sword or you'll be on the hilltop praying for someone else. And most of us in this room are naturally one or the other. Some of you in the room, you are a natural sword slinger. You're like, just give me a water pistol and I will take on hell right now. You're, you're just a natural-born fighter. Prayer, sort of a stretch for you. Others of you are natural-born intercessors and in prayers. That's how God has designed you. When something needs to be prayed over, you're like, let me Adam." You know how to touch heaven quicker than a cell phone can call Pizza Hut. Like, you're just, you're there, which is fast, by the way. But can I tell you, I believe in God uses all of us for different reasons, different seasons, for different reasons. And I think verse 11 lets us see something. I want to read it to you again. It says, as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Verse 11 allows us to see the necessity of fighting both in the flesh and in the spirit which by the way when Moses was up there he wasn't just isn't this cool look what happens when i do this when i do this is a look like he wasn't he wasn't just no, no no he when he had his hand raised he was praying that's why you lift your hands the word even says i was lifting my hands to the lord and what happened He got what? Weak. Did you know you can get weak in the physical and you can get weak in the spirit? So you need people to battle with you in the physical, but you need people to battle with you in the spirit. Amen? It's not one or the other. It's both. You got to have people that will battle with you in the field and people who will battle with you On the mountaintop. More than once I've heard people say this to me over and over again. And I would say if you've ever thought this or said this, this does not make you bad. It makes you normal. But I've had a lot of people say this to me over the years. Pastor, I have no problem believing God for others. But I have a hard time believing God for me. And that is why God has given us each other. So we can hold each other's hands in prayer. And we can sling a sword with our brother or hold up the hands of the one that needs held up. Colossians chapter 4, verse number 12. This is what Paul writes. He says, "Ephorus, one of you and a servant of Christ, Jesus, sends his greetings. Listen to this. He is always Wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Look at that. He's always wrestling in prayer with you. You and I have learned. That whenever you see someone standing in supernatural victory, it's because someone else was kneeling in prayer, fighting and wrestling for the battle of the Lord to be won in that person's life. And this two-tongued approach was not... It wasn't natural for Moses either, by the way. Hit rewind when Moses is about 40 years old. He sees... One of his fellow brothers being beaten by an Egyptian soldier. You know what he said? He said, I've got this. Moses snuck out. No one was looking. He killed the soldier who was beaten, the Israelite, and then he buried him in the sand. But that didn't work out very good. Right? He spent the next 40 years in exile, spent the next 40 years hiding out. But Moses learned, I can't do what I need to do just in, this, just in the natural. I've also got to have the Spirit of God on my behalf. Second Corinthians chapter 3 says, Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is found in God. Yeah. Number five. Meaning if you want to come. The fifth way. I declare that Jesus is my victory as I give all the credit to Jesus. Notice scripture didn't say, if you want to look through those scriptures on the board right there, it says Moses built an altar and said, the Lord is my banner. He did not say that Moses is my banner. He didn't say Joshua is my banner. He didn't say the people is our victory. He said the Lord. Is our victory? Matter of fact, God told Moses, "I want you to write down what happened today. Write down how you went to the mountaintop, how Joshua went to the field. Write down how you lifted your hands and you prayed, and when you prayed, the battle was winning, and when you didn't pray, the battle was losing. Write down how when you couldn't, when you could go no further, people came around you and helped you go further than you could go by yourself. Write down all of this." And he said, "Then he says, and tell it to." Joshua. Why? Because God knew it's just a matter of time until Moses is gone and Joshua will be in the place of Moses and he's going to fight more battles on his own. And he said, I want Joshua to know that this is not something that you do in the flesh only. It's not something you do in the spirit only, but you battle your battles in the flesh and in the spirit. I believe that's when when Moses passed off the scene and Joshua was called to, to lead the people of God. Joshua said these words. He said, Lord, if you're not going with us, we're not going because we can't do anything without you. Friends, when you're face to face with a battle, that is the time not. to give up on God that's the moment to lean on him and say Lord I understand that without you I am nothing but with you anything is possible to those that believe I think it's important for all of us as parents and grandparents and leaders to realize that battle times are training grounds for the next generation I've said it a hundred times, I'll say it again. People, our voices whisper in good times, but they shout in hard times. Sometimes people believe that troubled times are it's like a pass on doing what I know I'm supposed to be doing. But Moses, he writes down. He says, I want Joshua to see how I live through this troubling time. That way when he comes, he can respond to troubling times in the same way. Parents, grandparents, leaders in the room, we have to understand that when, when hard times come to our life, When attacks come to our life, those are the moments that we are training our children, our fathers, our followers, how they should respond when trouble comes to them. 2 Corinthians says, thanks be to God, because he always leads us in victory in Christ, who spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. Here's how we're going to pray. If you're in a battle this morning you're wondering how do I fight it do I fight it in the natural or do I fight it in the spirit the answer is this you do both one is not in opposition to the other nor is one a substitute for the other Moses said listen you go to the battlefield I'll go to the mountaintop And together, God brought victory. I believe the formula for victory for our church is that some of us have got to be in the battlefield and some of us are going to be on the mountaintop. And I would challenge you today be willing to do both, be willing to take your shift on the mountain. And be willing to take your shift in the battle. Be be willing to lift up your hands on the mountain. And be willing to be the person that just lifts up the hands of someone else's. Be willing to sling the sword until you don't know what to do. Whether you feel like the battle is being won or the battle is being lost. You understand I'm going to fight this with the favor of God and the promise of God. Because the Lord is my victory. I said the Lord's my victory people don't determine my victory, the Lord's my victory. The Lord's my victory. I ask you to start this sermon that way. I want to ask you to finish it the same way. Would you say those words to me out loud? The Lord is my victory. Say it again. The Lord's my victory. Say it again. The Lord's my victory. I mean, it doesn't matter what life throws at us. It doesn't matter who says they're for us or against us. The Lord, the Lord determines our steps. The Lord determines how many of those steps we have. It's not up to people. It's up to God. He's our victory. So fight your battle in the natural. Fight it in the spirit. Enlist some battle partners to fight with you. And determine that I'm going to allow God to be seen in my life through the battle I'm facing today. He's going to be seen through any victory. He will be seen through what others may call it a defeat. Doesn't matter. God's going to be seen. He's going to be seen. That was the faith that those Hebrew boys had in the book of Daniel. Our God's able to save us, but even if He doesn't, we're still going to only worship Him. The Lord is our victory. Every hell battle, every I close this morning. Say, Pastor, I'm in the middle of a battle this morning. Maybe a physical battle of sickness. Maybe a physical battle of something going on in your body. Maybe a physical, physical battle of, in your family. But can I tell you, the Lord's your victory. Maybe a battle in your mind, a battle in your emotions. Battle in battle in your mind. Can I tell you, God can work in that area too. It's not one or the other. He works in both. But we have to battle in both. Say, Pastor, I'm in a place. I'm in a battle. I need the help of God. She's lift a hand real quick. That's me, Pastor. Pray for me. Pray for me. Amen. 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 All across this room. Several hands. I'm in a battle. The Lord knows about it. He knows about our physical battles. He knows about our financial battles. He knows about our sickness, he knows about our emotional, he knows about our relational brokenness, he knows he knows it all. And when we obey him and when we trust him in the natural, it leads it gives way to the supernatural. And when we seek him in the spirit, it gives way for him to supernaturally lift our spirits as well. Today, if you lifted your hand, we would like to pray for you. Part of, part of what I preached this morning is lifting up the hands of one another. So part of part of this prayer, it may it may call you out of your comfort zone a little bit, but I would like for someone to pray with you if you lifted your hand this morning. I would like for you to allow someone else to to lift your hands this morning and pray for you. And so this morning, if you lifted your hands, would you mind coming to the front this morning and let us lift your hands while you're in the battle? Let us sling a sword with you this morning. Let us partner with you in prayer. Let us partner with you in the natural and in the supernatural. Would you come this morning? In just a few minutes, I'm going to ask people to come around you and help lift your hands physically but also spiritually this morning several are coming this morning for prayer now I need the church to be the church this morning I need some prayers to become prayers this morning. Would you get out of your seats today and come forward? Lay your hands on some of these that are coming up here this morning. Pray that God would battle with them. Congregation, would you stretch your hands towards these that are coming this morning? Would you pray that the Lord would be their victory? Lord, be their victory today. Lord, be their victory through financial recovery. Be their victory through family brokenness. Lord, be their victory, though the enemy has attacked them 17 different ways. Lord, be their victory when it comes to their health. Lord, I pray for those struggling with mental health this morning, emotional brokenness today. Be their victory. Lord, there's nothing outside the scope of your hand. There's nothing outside the reach of your hand. God, we just pray the victory of the Lord over your people today. We pray the healing of God. We pray the strength of God. Lord, we pray that you would be the victory. people need this morning. Lord, be the answer. Be their answer today. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you're ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day and God bless.